Zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... You're excited, aren't you? It's the last day of school. It is the last day of school. Senioritis is kicking in full... (laughs) force for me it has been um, quite a grind from january all the way up until this show this moment but this will be the final vgk insider show for a little while we will be off in the month of august we will return september 7th so the day after labor day we will be back with you we will make sure that we've got you ready to go for training camp for the Golden Knights. We'll get ready for next season. Darren Millard, I imagine, will be back from Tokyo, and he'll be ready to go, chomping at the bit to make fun of you, Chapman. Uh, Before we get into the show, uh, how nice has this two-and-a-half-week sabbatical from Darren Millard been like for you? It's been like every day of Christmas vacation because he has not been around to (laughs) pester, to annoy to uh, put words in my mouth, no, it's 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 been fun. But I'd be lying, or I'd be remiss if I if I said I didn't miss him just a little bit. I'm very still very you, jealous of you, him. Like, but hold on, hold on, hold on. What do you what do you miss about him? Well, I I, I, I kind of miss talking to him, and and you oh, know, okay. he, he he he's not totally a jerk all the time. I mean. <laughs> That's the greatest um, endorsement I think I've ever heard. Yes, he's not a jerk all the time. Yeah, like that's fantastic. Yeah, that's not, well not, he's like he's like uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. They're not always jerks. I mean, sometimes they are, but not always. Okay, all right. Well, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> um, we do have to take a moment just to uh, to to acknowledge and and thank the the Golden Knights organization. Sage Salmons did a great job booking guests for us while Darren Millard was in Tokyo and throughout the last couple of weeks of the show. Thanks to Brian McCormick. Thanks to Stormy Tony, Thanks to Dave Gosher and Shane Knighty and Dan Duva. Uh, everybody that, that donated their time to this program over the last three weeks, we thank you. We are forever in your debt, and we look forward to getting you all back on the program early on next season. But Let's get to the news of the day. And for the Golden Knights, there's a couple of tidbits that, uh, you know, we first got yesterday, of course, as the show goes off the air. And then earlier today from General Manager Kelly McCrimmon, we're going to start with the trade. The trade is Ryan Reeves to the New York Rangers in exchange for a 2022 third round pick. So Ryan Reeves has been reunited with Gerard Gallant in New York. Uh, You understand it from the Rangers perspective, right? This is a team that last year famously had an incident, a run-in with Tom Wilson. There were uh, some, some fisticuffs. There was some wrestling. Artemi Panarin got injured. 
And the Rangers didn't take too kindly to Tom Wilson being Tom Wilson. And I don't know many teams that enjoy or appreciate what Tom Wilson brings to the table unless they are the Washington Capitals. So all that being said, the Rangers have really done their job this offseason, if you want to look at it that way, in bringing in toughness. And the acquisition of Ryan Reeves is one that just made all too much sense for the New York Rangers. And as much as you don't want to hear it because Ryan Reeves is a fan favorite here in Vegas, because you love what he brings to the table, because you love the physicality, it's the right move for the Golden Knights. Because when you look at what Kelly McCrimmon has done so far, in July, so far in free agency, what he's tried to do is bolster the bottom six. And when you look at kind of the players that are there for the Golden Knights, it didn't really seem like Ryan Reeves was going to find regular playing time with this group. So if you're trying to subtract cap and if you're trying to find the right trade, this one just made too much sense. What say you, Chapman? Yeah, I mean, look, from the Golden Knights perspective, it it, it made a lot of sense because we we did the exercise yesterday and we we said when we were going through our lines that there was probably someone from that fourth line who didn't make the fourth line that was probably not going to be on the roster opening night and it it made perfect sense because the rangers wanted to add some toughness right you've got you've got Artemi Panarin and you've got yeah. Alexis Lafreniere so you obviously need to protect those guys. Gerard Gallant has a lot of experience with Ryan Reeves. He was obviously a favorite of of Gallant when he was here. Um, you know, the Rangers wanted to add toughness. They wanted to add that guy who's going to protect their their star players. And it made sense from the Golden Knights' perspective because, like you said, there really wasn't a spot for Ryan Reeves on this team. He wasn't playing in the playoffs. Um, you know, he 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 wasn't wasn't what was it every other game it seemed like he was he was a healthy scratch or if even that mm-hmm. um so and then you look at what they brought in and to Dan off they re-signed um yeah mark so that's two two spots that weren't going to go to Ryan Reeves and then you have a battle for maybe two spots on the fourth line he's not a center so he's not going to win that so that really left one spot for four guys, and I think it made sense. One year remaining on his contract. The numbers made sense from a salary cap perspective because now it gets them right down to about that number that they need to be at. So I, I think it, it's not a surprise in, in any stretch. I mean, I think we kind of anticipated that if they were going to move one of those guys from the fourth line, it was going to be him just because of the term remaining on his contract and because there, there really wasn't a spot for him. Now, what what's interesting to me is we mentioned Ryan Reeves reuniting with Gerard Gallant, and, and we know and we remember Ryan Reeves 2018-19 with the Golden Knights, 80 games played, 9 goals, 11 assists, 20 points, best statistical season for Ryan Reeves in which he became the player that I think a lot of people still think that he is, a player that gets in on the forecheck, he's heavy, he's hard to play against, he goes to the front of the net, and he's finding pucks in and around that area. Ryan Reeves can be a useful hockey player if you utilize him correctly, and I think that Gerard Gallant really did use him to the best of his skill set while Gallant was coaching the Vegas Golden Knights and you know right now I think that for Ryan Reeves it's an ability to kind of rejuvenate that part of his game while keeping 
everything else that comes with the package, the big hits, the willingness to fight and drop the gloves and protect his teammates. I, I think if you can kind of catch lightning in a bottle with what Gallant got out of Ryan Reeves when he was here with Vegas, I, I think this is a good addition for the Rangers. Yeah, and, and you look at where he's going to be playing and who he's going to be playing with. I mean, he's going to be playing with Sammy Blay, probably on that fourth line. I'm not sure who's going to be their center, but... I mean, that's probably the the ceiling for him. He's probably their fourth-line guy. Um, but that's a team that has some depth, especially if Lafreniere blossoms this season, right? Last year was kind of weird. He had a decent season, but, you know, there, there's not a ton of opportunity for him there. But you know, based on the history with Gallant, that he's a guy who, who Gallant likes. He, I mean, remember, he was playing on the power play. Sometimes, and he actually, I believe, he had a power play goal, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, there, there, there's some history there, and I think that really helps both Gallant and and Reeves because the reality is the Rangers don't make this move if Tom Wilson isn't living in their head rent free. Because to be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of teams around the league that like Tom Wilson. There are a few teams sure. that hate Tom Wilson, and I think the Rangers. I mean, yep. look at look at what the Rangers did following that incident with Artemi Panarin, mm -hmm. they cleaned yeah. house in the front office, they promote Chris Drury, they go out and they add some toughness, they add Barkley Goodrow, they add Semi Blay, now they add Ryan Reeves to the fold. <laughs> I mean, this is this is shaping up to be, they're, they're, they're just going to jump him, I think, when, when he comes to Madison Square Garden for the first time. But um, it's it's a move where if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm looking at it from the perspective of, we gave up a third-round pick for Ryan Reeves. I mean, Vegas absolutely got a great bargain on, on this deal because I don't think – I never would have thought they would have gotten a third-round pick for Ryan Reeves. But the Tom Wilson factor, I think, kind of raised his value a little bit. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll see a lion in the jungle again at some point this upcoming season. <laughs> Well, so one of the things in the narrative that I saw yesterday was the fact that, that the Golden Knights got more for Ryan Reeves than they got for Marc-Andre Fleury. And, and, like, that's not taking into account that these two contracts are not created equal. Because when you're talking about a $7 million cap hit for a goaltender in today's flat cap, that in and of itself, being able to move that entire cap hit is really the the – kind of what you get in return if you're the Golden Knights, right? Like, uh, just because you're able to get something of value back for Ryan Reeves, it doesn't mean that you got more for Reeves than you did for Flurry. because in moving Flurry, you get $7 million in cap space, and that is invaluable in, in this day and age with a flat cap looking to try to make improvements to your team. Well, yeah, I think you have to look at it from the perspective of you got – for, for, for Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe you didn't get any assets back from Chicago, but what you did get back was you got back Matias Yanmark and Alec Martinez. Sure, and and exactly. some people may say, oh, well, uh, you know, they already had those guys. Yeah, but if they if they keep Fleury today, they don't have those guys. So I right. think that's the that's the outlook you, you need to have when you're, you're, you're looking at the trade and saying, oh, they didn't get anything back for the guy who just won the Vezina. And it's like, yeah, but... They got cap relief. And if you remember when there was discussion last offseason about them possibly moving Marc-Andre Fleury, there were, there, there were rumors out there that they were going to have to move Marc-Andre Fleury and an asset in order to trade him. 
The fact that they were able to move him and they didn't have to give up anything else to move him, I think that's probably, you know, it's not going to sit well with fans because everyone looks at everything sure. in, in in a vacuum and it's like, all right, well, they traded Marc-Andre Fleury for some guy who they basically don't want or didn't take. But they got the cap relief and it, it allowed them to go out and, and get Laurent Brassois and Evgeny Dadunov. So... They, they 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 have more pieces today than they would have if they had not traded Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you 100. percent And again, it's it's one of those situations where you you look at the assets in and out in that particular moment with that particular trade, and you say, okay, well, they got a draft pick for Ryan Reeves, they got a prospect that's going to stay in Chicago uh, for for Mark Andre Fleury, who just won the Vesna. But you you turn that money into Evgeny Dadunov, you turn that money into the ability to re-sign Matias Yanmark, uh, you turn that. A, that money, if if you kind of want to look at Yanmark and Martinez, like whichever way you want to look at it, you end up getting two players that are going to be on your roster that might not have been on your roster if you stayed pat and did nothing. So uh, you look at it from that perspective, and for the Golden Knights, again, it, it was a painful week in terms of emotion. It was a painful week in terms of fan favorites, but it, it's one that I feel was necess- necessary for this organization, this team, to improve the bottom of their lineup, their bottom six, make it a little bit more formidable so that when you get to the playoffs, you're not reliant so heavily upon Mark Stone finding ways to score, Max Pacioretty having to be all, all just at the top of his game throughout an entire playoff run. You need guys down the lineup to chip in. You need your third and your fourth line to chip in goals. And, and if you don't believe me, focus in on how Tampa Bay won that series against Montreal. Because Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, like they were fine early on, but they weren't the story in that series. It was the Ross Coltons. It was the Blake Colemans. It was the Barclay Goodrows. And that, I think, is kind of the, the mindset shift that you have to have for the Golden Knights and their ability to take the next step. It might not be that big splash. It might not be the, that Jack Eichel trade that I think everybody's clamoring for. You have to shore up and make your bottom six that much better so that those are the players that can lift you up when you are having a hard time scoring from the top of your lineup. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, you you need roster depth. You need depth on the bottom six, which is something that this team, quite frankly, hasn't really had. It seems like every season we're going into the into the season saying, oh, I wonder what the third line's going to look like. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's Cody Eakin and a couple of other guys. You know, Cody Eakin and Oscar Lindbergh. That was that was part of your third line year one. Eventually, you've now developed into a third line where we imagine is going to be probably one of the better ones we've seen in going into the fifth season. It's just a very the the, the sport the, the the way that the flat cap affects everything and how you have to construct your roster. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are looking at it and saying, "Well, they're not better today than they were a month ago." I think in certain areas they are. I mean. I think bringing back Yanmark was was a really solid move because he's a guy who showed he could play here. Um, yeah. You know, I think bringing back Alec Martinez, while I would have liked to have seen him come back at a lower number, the fact that he's back is is valuable and important. They added, a, I think, Laurent Brassois is going to have a really good season. I think he's going to have, I mean, like I said to someone on Twitter, I said, I said, you look at the teams he's played on, he's never really had a good team in front of him. Now he finally has a good team in front of him 
And his numbers are pretty good considering he hasn't had a good team in front of him in, in that backup role. So I think he's going to turn out to be a pretty good signing for the Golden Knights because I think he's probably going to play a little bit. And I think he's probably going to have some pretty solid numbers. Yeah, I, I have uh, high hopes for Laurent Brassois, and, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Uh, I remember the Golden Knights playing Brassois maybe year number two. It was kind of in the in, at the at the peak of the Malcolm Subban um, it, it is not the goaltender that we want as our backup frenzy that happened among the fan base. And then you go into Winnipeg, you're not – playing Connor Hellebuck you're playing Brassois and I think he had like a 41 or 42 save shutout against the Golden Knights and it was that's the type of backup goaltender that we need well a couple years in the future you've got it so Golden Knights fans well done you you picked that one um, out out of the blue and and it came to be for the Golden Knights now that being said I, I do want to focus in on another piece of information that we did get out of the Golden Knights today so ryan reeves traded yesterday to the new york rangers and then we get news today on alex tuck from general manager kelly mccrimmon let's hear from kelly and then we'll break it down uh alex tuck uh underwent successful shoulder surgery he will uh, have a lengthy recovery process there's uh, no issue with uh, his recovery uh, he will recover fully but uh, we're likely looking at a time frame of around six months uh, for his recovery and with the, you know, any recovery of that length, there's a lot of variables along the way. So that may, uh, may change, but, uh, wanted to, uh, have, uh, at least a time frame there so that people had an idea of his availability and, uh, you know, he'll, uh, rehab in Vegas, uh, under the care of our doctors had his surgery uh, in Vegas with Dr. Jim Detling, our team, uh, our team doctor and, uh, expected to recover, uh, well, as I said, so, uh, he won't be with us for uh, the early stages of the season, well into the season, uh, in fact. And uh, that would be uh, the other news that I wanted to share with the media here today. The The injury uh, isn't traced to a specific incident. It was uh, uh, an issue where his shoulder was giving him trouble uh, during the year. Uh, when the season ended, no one anticipated that it was uh, uh, going to be real serious or lead to surgery. Uh, Alex went, uh, went away for, I think a week, kind of thought it would settle down during that period of time, got back to Vegas and it still was, uh, bothering him. And then when we, uh, did the diagnostics, uh, on the shoulder, it was pretty clear that he had an injury that needed to be surgically repaired. So, uh, it wasn't, um, you know, I think he would tell you it wasn't, uh, wasn't an injury that, uh, really, um, any of us expected to have this outcome. It wasn't an injury that hindered his play <clears throat> in the playoffs, but it's, uh, it's an, you know, it's an, it's a shoulder injury that's not uncommon to hockey players, uh, uh, you know, and again, um, you know, that in part gives us more comfort that this is uh, not out of the norm. It's going to be a full recovery, but it does, uh, it does take time. These injuries take time, especially this type of surgery. So there you have it. Alex Tuck underwent successful shoulder surgery earlier this offseason, about uh, a week or two ago, if I'm remembering correctly from Kelly McCrimmon's press conference just a few hours ago. But Alex Tuck out six months, give or take uh, there. So um, it, it's a long recovery period. But for the Golden Knights, what this means is right now a team that's a couple, a couple thousand dollars over the salary cap 
with Alex Tuck missing the beginning of the season, expected to go to LTIR. The Golden Knights right now do not have to make any more moves. The Golden Knights will be cap compliant come day one of the NHL season next year. But the question is, you're losing one of your best assets in Alex Tuck. So um, when you look at the Golden Knights offseason now, when you kind of take a step back and look at what Kelly McCrimmon has done, does it change your view of the moves the Golden Knights made now that you know Alex Tuck will be out at least six months? Because for me, the Dadanov trade was, was an interesting one because I've been very much on you need an elite center, right? Like that has been kind of my line in the sand. But when you start thinking about, okay, well, Evgeny Dadnoff, he's a winger, but he's a winger that scored 25 and 28 goals before in the NHL. So you're adding goal scoring, which is fantastic. That, that makes perfect sense to do. But now that you don't have Alex Tuck in the lineup, now that you've kind of configured your bottom six the way that it is for the Golden Knights, I think that you've essentially added Dadnov as an insurance policy to make sure that the goals you're losing with Alex Tuck not in the lineup are made up there with Dadnov. What what about you, buddy? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of when they traded for Dadanov, we, we kind of were like, oh, that's kind of strange. They have an overabundance of wingers. What are they going to do? Well, obviously the team knew because if you listen to Kelly, it's not like Tuck had surgery today and it's not like they found out yesterday. They knew for a few weeks that Alex Tuck was going to require shoulder surgery. So they obviously made this move knowing full well that they were going to be short one of their wingers that they rely on to score big goals for him. So I think it does change the way we need to view the the moves that were made just a couple days ago. Um, and look, the reality is they really didn't give up a whole lot to acquire Dedanoff. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a hefty price tag, but they gave up Nick Holden, another fan favorite, unfortunately, and they gave up a draft pick. So they knew when they made that move that they were going to not be with, or they were going to be without Alex Tuck. So I think what it does is when I look at the, the roster today, knowing full well that Tuck is probably not going to play until, and my guess, and, and I could be wrong, obviously he may come back sooner, but my guess is you're probably not going to have him until after that Olympic break, which basically encompasses the entire month of February. What is it, three weeks of February that there's yes. not going to be games? So when I look at the roster today, I'm thinking, okay, well, I, kn- I no longer have Ryan Reeves. They knew they didn't they, that Alex Tuck was going to be out when they traded Ryan Reeves. Obviously, he's not going to be the guy who fills up Alex Tuck's spot on the roster. But you start wondering, well, who slots up into that role with Alex Tuck? And the first name that popped into my mind, and it wasn't a guy that I had in my line yesterday for the very specific reason that I don't think you will ever play him on the fourth line, Matt's Peyton Krebs. Because it, it, sure. it, it, it's like, okay, you're not going to play him on the fourth line. But you still have that spot on the third line. And obviously, Alex Tuck, as of today, is your third line wing. So I think it opens up an opportunity for Peyton Krebs to maybe make this team out of out of camp. And you're going to have an opportunity to really get a good long look at him at this level because you know you're going to be without Tuck for a while. And the best part about it is he doesn't 
Well, I don't know where the changes would come because I, I think there's some reluctance to right. break up the Carlson, Marcia So Smith line. And Stevenson fits so well in between Pacioretty and Mark Stone that it's almost like, well, do you want to tinker with that? Here's the thing. Could Patrick, could it all click for him? I mean, this is a guy who was a number two overall pick. Is this the guy who, out of camp, if he has an impressive camp, could he earn that spot between Pacioretty and Stone? And then you move Stevenson down to the third line? I don't, I don't know, but... It's certainly something that I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. I mean, this is a guy who certainly has high expectations, and he's a guy who, who did perform at a pretty good level before he had some some issues with migraines. But I I wouldn't see any reason why he couldn't earn the spot. Now, I use the word so, earn. He has to earn it. I don't sure. think it's going to be given to him. Right. So, like, I guess kind of in terms of, where I think the Golden Knights are going. Like, I don't imagine that there will be changes to the top six. I, I really don't. When you've got Alex Tuck now out of the lineup, I, I think that you kind of allow Evgeny Dadinov to be like that one-for-one one replacement for Alex Tuck. So a, a third line of Nolan Patrick and Evgeny Dadinov with Peyton Krebs, if he's able to make the team out of camp like that could be a perfectly good and a an exciting third line to watch now that being said just as i'm sitting here thinking about it if you were going to make any change in terms of the top six now that alex tuck is going to be out of the lineup for a little bit of time maybe you look at marcia carlson and dadanov as your second line maybe you look at can you get more offensive production out of your second line by moving Dadanov up, maybe moving Riley Smith down. And as you mentioned, if Nolan Patrick is able to find some chemistry with Pacioretty and Stone and that kind of clicks and you've got an elite line there, then you could be looking at a third line. And this is where I start to get excited because I talk about these these quote-unquote shutdown lines. If you could have a third line of Matthias Janmark, Chandler Stevenson and Riley Smith, that can kind of quell my desire and my hankering for a line that goes out there, has some very difficult defensive minutes, but comes out on the other side because they're just that good at shutting other teams down. Yeah, and here's the other thing. If you're willing to do that, why not move Carlson down to the third line and let him play with Riley Smith? Then you really have that shutdown third line that's going to give you a lot of really good defensive minutes and allows... Marcia So and and Patrick and Dadanoff to just go out and score. Like that's their job. Just go it, out and score goals. Then in that situation, I'd probably keep Chandler Stevenson up on the top line, move Patrick to the second line with Marcia So and Dadanov, and then I would have my shutdown line of Matias Yanmark, William Carlson, and Riley Smith. You know, everything I've done so far this offseason is trying to find ways to talk myself into Yanmark, Carlson, and Smith being a line because I just think that you look at that line, defensive responsibility being a pain in the butt for the best opposition to play against. I think that that would be and, and make the Golden Knights an incredibly frustrating team. And you know what? In in this day and age, we saw it with Montreal and Phil Deneau and what he was able to do. Uh, you, you see it with you saw it with the Tampa Bay Lightning and winning two Stanley Cups with a third line that was a shutdown line first and chip in goals here and there second. It can work. And it is something that teams can utilize to their advantage when things get very difficult and very tight in the playoffs. Now, 
When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Pacific Division. It's way too early to start making predictions, but we're going to do it anyway because it's the last show, and you guys aren't going to remember what we said anyway when we come back in September. So previewing and predicting the Pacific Division, that's coming up next right here on the Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. From both myself and Chris Chapman. And so we figured we'd have a little bit of fun today in in the – five o'clock hour we're going to get to some of your questions that you had for both Chapman and I it could be hockey specific it could have nothing to do with hockey whatsoever I'm sure since Chapman was in charge of going through the thread and picking out the questions I'm going to say a large majority of these are not going to be hockey specific but you've asked it's our job now to answer we figured that was the best way to go out before we get into our hiatus however Right now, it's all about predicting the Pacific Division. Now, one, who's excited that we have a Pacific Division again? I am. I am. Come on. Are you not? No, I am. I think it's great. Well, it didn't seem like a very enthusiastic Well, I was being sarcastic. That was a sarcastic yay. But why are you being sarcastic if you're excited? For the fans. I don't think the fans are excited. I think they like like playing the, the Blues and the Wild and the Avalanche. I don't think they're excited about well, playing. I, you know what? It's it's it sounds bad, but it's like does does in college sports and college football does Alabama get excited about playing Vanderbilt? Eh, probably not, because that's kind of like what this I mean, is. I, I'm excited about playing Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be like, great to get you, him back. Yeah, you have you have the best hockey player in the world. Like, and, I'm and, excited, to, and I'm to a be big Johnny Goudreau fan, so I like getting to see him again. Okay, I mean, like and, there's and, and hey, David, and then there's Johnny, Johnny Goudreau. But you know what? You also get to see okay. the Kraken a couple times. Okay, so like <laughs> I, I'm excited about there being a Pacific Division again because I'm I'm excited about, and this is 100% selfish on my part, and I don't really care that I'm being selfish here. Like I have missed watching Connor McDavid in person because when you when you watch Connor on TV. There are certain things that he does that are just absolutely fascinating, and it doesn't matter how you consume Connor McDavid. If it's on TV, if it's live, you just know that he's doing something special. But when you watch the kid live, it's just a a completely different level of appreciation for how good he is. Yeah, he's he's absolutely incredible. Like like the the thing that really sticks out to me when it comes to watching Connor McDavid is every time he's on the ice, just the speed that he has. Like, I don't think you can really get a, get a picture of that on television. Like when you see him in person, especially when you're higher up and you see how much space he covers and how quick he can get there. That's the part of his game that just blows me away because he's so like, we we look at Alex Tucker, like Alex Tucker is fast. Connor McDavid <laughs> takes it to a yeah. whole nother level. Like, like he's got rockets attached to his skates. That's how fast he is. He sure does. So let's take a very premature and way too early view of the Pacific Division. It is the Golden Knights, the Seattle Kraken, the Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames, Vancouver Canucks, the LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks, and San Jose Sharks. So Chris Chapman, this is a very easy question. At least I believe it's an easy question. Who will finish first in the Pacific Division? I believe that will be the Vegas Golden Knights. Really? Yes, I think Vegas will finish first. 
I don't even need to You're really not think. Going of, off the board or anything? No. You're not going off the board? Nope. Not going to go off the board. Do you think it's going to be like okay? In terms of the Golden Knights finishing first, do you believe they will finish first by double-digit points? I do. Do you believe the Golden Knights will be the only team in the Pacific Division with over 100 points? I do. Wow. Really? Okay. So I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think the Golden Knights are the class of the division, even without Alex Tuck in the lineup uh, rehabbing an injury, even with with where the Golden Knights are, even if they don't make a big splash the rest of the way. If this is the team the Golden Knights bring to the dance next season, I firmly believe that they are the best top-to-bottom complete team in the division. There might be teams that have more high-end skill, Edmonton Oilers. There might be teams that I think if you look at it from a pure tandem perspective, maybe there are teams that have better goaltending. I'm looking at you, Seattle. But all that being said, I still think top-to-bottom, the Golden Knights have the best team in the division. I don't expect this team to miss the playoffs. I expect this team to be leading the charge from day one of the regular season all the way to the final day of the regular season. I look at the Golden Knights. They are a first-place team. They are looking for a division championship. Now, well, here and, we and go. My, go I, I will say this. The reason why, at least today, I think they do win the division by double digits, I think they're a class above everyone else in the division. But then I feel like there's a lot of parity within the division, those teams battling for like second through fourth, I think they're going to beat each other up. And I think through attrition, Vegas will just have the opportunity to just pull away from those teams while those teams are battling for second, third and and fourth. Whereas I just don't see Vegas being at the same level as those teams. And I think that just based on the fact that they're so much better than them, I think they'll just be able to pull away and have, have that huge lead come the end of the season. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. So how many teams from the Pacific Division will make the playoffs? Will it be three, four, or five? It's not going to be five. Okay, all right. Uh, I I am inclined to go with four. I think I think really? a, I think a fourth team will sneak in there because I look at the Central no and, and, and the Coyotes are going to be so bad that everyone in the Central is just going to beat them up. But I think okay. the, the the central division there's a lot of parity as well. Chicago has improved. Winnipeg is is going to be tough. You know Dallas is going to be back. Nashville they're in there. St. Louis. I mean Colorado is the class of that division. I think easily. But I think again it's it's a parity thing where I think those teams are going to beat each other up so much that I think it's going to leave a door open for one of those teams to miss. And one of the Pacific Division teams, because you have, you have, I think that the, my thinking is you have worse teams, more bad teams in the Pacific Division for these middle of the road teams to steal points against than you do in the Central Division where you don't have as many horrible. I mean, Arizona is going to be bad, but everyone else is going to be good, at least competitive. Okay, so this is this is more a question about the Central than it is about the Pacific Division, because I look at the Golden Knights as being the class and then outside of like San Jose and Anaheim, uh, you look at Seattle, you look at Calgary, you look at Edmonton, you look at Vancouver, you look at LA, all of those teams, I can conceivably say 
will be could make the playoffs or could miss the playoffs. Like if you told me one way or the other, okay, that's fine. I think San Jose is going to be bad. I think Anaheim is going to be bad. But outside of that, like you know, all those other teams, I think can can either go can go one way or the other. Now, when it comes to the Central, Colorado, they're going to be good. I really like what Winnipeg's been able to do so far in free agency. Their offseason's been good. They got, they got much better defensively. Winnipeg, yeah, I expect Winnipeg to be among the playoff teams in the Central. Now, I look at St. Louis, and, and I'm not quite sure yet because you've still got the Vladimir Tarasenko thing to kind of sort itself out. Where are you going to trade him? What kind of value are you going to get back? And that's something that that still remains to be seen for the St. Louis Blues. Plus, you've lost Vince Dunn, and and I like Vince Dunn a lot. You've lost Jaden Schwartz. There's some question marks there for me for St. Louis, but I still think they'll probably be in the mix. Now, it all depends on whether or not you believe Chicago has actually gotten better this offseason because that would be the team that I think is going to flirt with that fifth spot in the Central. Like, you've got Dallas that, that's improved, but they've got, like, 75 goalies, and, and I they're just a year older to me. Um, in the Minnesota Wild, everything, I think, hinges on Kirill Kaprizov. Is he going to sign? When is that saga going to come to an end? And if he doesn't, then how good are the Minnesota Wild without Kirill Kaprizov? That's a legitimate question. So in, in going around and around and around on this one, I'm actually with you, Chapman. I think that there will be four teams from the Pacific Division because as I'm doing a little bit of a deeper dive on the Central, there's a lot of question marks for some of those other teams. I think the two best teams right now as it stands in the Central are Colorado and Winnipeg. I didn't expect to say that uh, at, at any point this offseason, but I think those are the two teams that are the, are the class of that division, and then it's St. Louis, Minnesota, Chicago, Dallas for me that kind of fall on the periphery, and I would expect that the, the Pacific division could put forth four teams that are better than the Chicago Blackhawks, or at least I, I would hope that that's the case. However, if Marc-Andre Fleury does play for Chicago next season, that could be the great equalizer, and the Chicago Blackhawks could find themselves in the playoffs. Well, and the funny thing about Chicago, we everybody in that division outside of Colorado, and, and I'm with you, I think Winnipeg's the second-best team in that division. Yeah. They all have questions, but Chicago's depth, they have, they have two really good lines, and after that, yikes. It's like, ugh. I mean, defensively, I think they'll be okay because the, 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 they, they traded for Seth Jones. They still have... Well, well think... Think about think about how they just how they've retooled their team, right? Like they've focused more on defense. They they bring in Caleb Jones, they bring in Seth Jones. They're trying to shore up their defense, yeah. And they're trying to build from the goal out with Mark Andre Fleury. I so, think Zadorov will know, be back. If, yeah, is Zadorov. So like you've got a, a strong defensive core there in in Chicago. You've got Patrick Kane. You've got Jonathan Taves. I, I would assume healthy and ready to go. And then don't forget the fact that they were able to bring in Tyler Johnson. That can't be overlooked in terms of what the Blackhawks did so far in the offseason. So I, I, I've I seen some takes about Chicago being like sneaky good next year. I don't know that if I'm, I don't know that I'm there yet, but I think that there's, there's kind of writing on the wall. And I think a lot of it hinges on Marc-Andre Fleury as to a, an avenue for this team to make the playoffs. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of it's going to depend on Kirby doc as well. Right. Cause I think they're penciling him in sure. to have, to be their first line center. So I would imagine if, if he has a, a really good year, then Chicago will have a really good year. And, and yeah, obviously Mark Andre Fleury is going to play a role in that, but I mean, 
their top six, I think, is is, is going to be pretty good. Tyler Johnson, yeah. no, he, he, that's a good addition. So, I, but the, the, like I said, I think the Central there's just going to be so much attrition between those teams that I think it leaves a door open for that fourth Pacific Division team to to sneak in. All right, so last question here on the Pacific Division. We both like the Golden Knights to finish first in the division. We both feel there will be four teams in the playoffs from the Pacific next season. Who are those four teams? Who makes the playoff playoffs and who misses? All right, well, I'm going I, – I, I think I a couple weeks ago we, we asked this question and I went with the Canucks to finish second. I'm sticking with that. I think Vancouver is going to end up second in the division. I like what they did acquiring – Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland from the Coyotes. I think they they shored up the goalie position because obviously Demko's gonna be the guy, but Halak is a guy who's a really solid backup. In fact, I, I think their combination is, is is pretty good. They're two goalies. Um obviously Quinn Hughes, phenomenal on defense. They they did lose some some pieces defensively. They traded Nate Schmidt away, but I think they're another team. Their top six is really good. I mean, Brock Besser's phenomenal. Elias Pettersson, J.T. Miller, Bo Horvat, Connor Garland. That's going to be that's going to be their top six. They're going to be a pain. Yep. They're going to be a real pain to play. And we know that Demko plays well against the Golden Knights. That's that, that's a team that I think slides into second. I I think everyone's going to go with Edmonton, but I think Vancouver's the, the team that that's that sneaks up and takes second. They're young, and it's time this team takes that next step. Okay, so. Um, so you've got Vegas and you've got Vancouver. I'm sticking with who, the V's. Who else? Edmonton. Okay. Cool. Yep. And this may surprise some people. Los Angeles. Mm. I think L.A. Really? Yes. I, I like the fact that they, they, they went out and they got to know. I think that was a, maybe overpaid for him a little bit, but I think he he's he's a good enough player. He'll slot in their second line. I think Byfield's gonna going to probably make the team. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the division, I, I don't, I'm not a believer in Seattle. I know people are, are looking at them and saying, oh, that's a pretty good team. I'm not a believer in Seattle yet. I okay. think Seattle, I think Seattle finishes fifth and I think they battle with LA, but I think LA gets that fourth spot. Okay. So here's, here's where I'm going. And of course, you know me, I'm rooting for all the chaos that I can possibly get. So I think the Golden Knights finish first. I think the Seattle Kraken will finish second in the Pacific Division because that would just be the funniest outcome ever if the two most recent expansion teams in NHL history figure one and two in the Kraken's (laughs) inaugural season in the Pacific Division, and it would be an absolute shame to every other team in the division. So that would be fantastic. I'm going Vegas, Seattle, one, two. Then third place will be the Vancouver Canucks because who doesn't want to see Seattle and Vancouver year one first playoffs is between these two clubs and and it happens right off the bat I think that that would be absolutely fantastic and then I'm I've gone like back and forth a couple of times with my fourth place team I like your your addition with the LA Kings I don't think it's going to be the LA Kings um, I I kind of feel like the writings on the wall they're going to be competitive but um, I, I just don't see it happening this year for LA. 
So I'm going Calgary. I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are going to make the playoffs. I don't. Wow. I think you're you're putting a little bit too much stock into Mike Smith, and you're you're discounting the fact that Connor McDavid's got to have to play against every other team in the league, and and you're not going to get the the point pace that you got out of McDavid last year just simply because it's not going to be like it was last year. Connor McDavid getting to run roughshod over that North Division. So. I personally don't see the Edmonton Oilers making the playoffs. I think Duncan Keith's going to turn into a disaster, and I think Mike Smith isn't going to hold up. So all that being said, I like the Calgary Flames in that spot. I like the Golden Knights versus the Calgary Flames in the first round of the playoffs because that would be absolutely phenomenal hockey to watch. And, you know, Matthew Kachuk will make a lot of people really angry, and oh, yes. uh, that's that's really all I care about. It's all about the chaos here. <laughs> that is our way too early Pacific Division predictions. Of course, everyone will forget about this when we come back in September. We'll be back on the other side. Reset hour number one. Look ahead to hour number two. And your questions right here on the Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Music selection today on point. Chris Chapman rocking a little Aquabats as we get you psyched for the rest of the summer. We will be hiatus the month of August. We'll be back with you September 7th. That is when we make our triumphant return. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman. We will be back with you then. We've got one hour in the books, one hour still to come. And when we come back, we answer your questions. We posed that open-ended question to you. What do you got? What do you got for us? What do you want to hear from us? What do you want us to answer? We've got all that on the other side. It's the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas.